Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name's Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we'll be diving into Northanger Abbey, chapters 16 through 20. Yes. <laughs> and we're joined again by our special guest, Kristen Smith. Hello. <laughs> All the way from California. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, how's everybody doing? I think I'm starting my last week of two months. Uh, yeah <laughs> it's all right I'm like you know kind of like it's like in, we're like in a plateau where everyone's just kind of like always wanting to go outside and see people they haven't seen in a while yeah yeah everybody's getting really antsy yeah yeah but I'm still like let's not reopen <laughs> I really want to get tested for the antibodies but I gotta figure out yeah. where I can do that yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Um, I actually have an outline today, so I know what we're supposed to do for this <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> I've been forgetting every week like how it normally goes. But um, what are your first impressions of these chapters? Who wants to start? Christian? Uh, sure. Yeah, good. Um, I I enjoyed them. Um, I feel like the way it was written, um, I felt like um, most of it was like we were kind of experiencing like news and like new things at the same time and in, like emotions as Catherine. Like uh, yeah. I think like the scene where she's talking to Henry about Isabella and Captain Tilney and how it's like affecting how she she's like I assume it's affecting my brother I was like thinking the whole time like yeah why are we not upset about this and then later we find out that he doesn't care and <laughs> it's like <laughs> this whole like roller coaster of things yeah we get a lot of um new stuff going on I feel like in this yeah. section what about you Kristen um yeah, I think the the new characters and things um I do feel like they changed the tone a little bit. Um by the end of this one we've moved to by the end of these chapters we've moved to a different place and I don't know, it just doesn't feel as funny, well, not funny, but um I guess kind of light as it does when she's hanging out with Isabella. I don't know, now it yeah. seems more like she's with the grown-ups or something. I don't know. Yeah. That's true. But even when she's hanging out with Isabella, that's totally changed now. Yeah. 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 Um, I guess, yeah, I feel the same way. It's kind of like, it's kind of, you know, she's still wanting everything to be the same, but she's realizing that there's some stuff with Isabella and she's afraid that her trip is going to be ended and she's never going to see him. And then, whoa, she gets invited. It's like very... um I don't know, but I really like the, um, once they start going to Northanger Abbey and we get a whole new set of like <laughs> narrator commenting on mm -hmm. circumstances yeah. that you would normally find in a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Shall we get into some notes? Yes. All right. Well, I did something a little different for notes this time because I know last week we were talking about, um, we were a little confused because she had said, 
I just described the entire last week. And so our time, we were like a little confused as the timeline. So I found right. a, um, an article that basically was talking about how Jane Austen used time in her novels. And it broke down basically to the day when a bunch of stuff happens in the book wow. up until where we are right now, actually. So um, this is all from jimandellen.org, which I know we've used several times. They have some of the best, funnest things that I've discovered for about Jane Austen for this podcast. And I think the article um, was written by Ellen Moody, and it was based on a conversation she had with Judy Warner. So um, they talk about how the minute keeping of time is present in all of Jane Austen's work, especially in the first three novels. Um, and it was one way that she used to slow down time and allow an even slower version of time to emerge in her texts, like uh, psychological time. Okay. So the second half of the novel relies much more on psychological time. We'll spend like whole chapters tracing the movements of Catherine's mind over brief spaces of time. And this, you know, it imitates our own experience of time. <laughs> where it can slow down uh, when our minds are becoming enthralled by something. Um, she also would write passages into those psychological time passages, which make us feel like the novel is moving according to calendar time. So that's to help achieve like a, a sense of verisimilitude. Okay. She would write the slow paragraphs which give us little daily things that happen throughout the day and then nail those paragraphs to a, the calendar in some way. Um, previous novels of the time would use like one paragraph to jump 10 years because nothing much happened. <laughs> <laughs> or they'd tell like a hectic series of events which must have taken years in like three swift paragraphs and then it would slow down again. And so these kind of moments were very jarring to the reader when they're you know, going through and it kind of takes you out of the novel. So she used time to connect the narrative to the calendar. And in this article, they were asking where she would have learned to do this because it wasn't something that was commonly done. And they said that Anne Radcliffe had begun to write like an omniscient narrator who observes psychological time, but they were never convincing and they felt slightly ludicrous. So they speculate that Jane Austen actually developed this technique from reading epistolary narratives because um, a lot of the, I guess, Sense and Sensibility and Pride and Prejudice were both written as epistolary yeah. novels to begin with. Hmm. So I found that pretty interesting. And then um, I can go through some of the like exact dates of things that happen if you're at all interested so far what we've read. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so we start off um, 1797. The first uh, event we know of in the novel is Christmas, James visiting with the Thorpe family. Mm. Okay. So the rest is all 1798, and that starts January 21st through the 22nd. It's when we're in the opening at Fullerton still. Um, the 24th through the 25th is when they are taking their trip to Bath, the drive to Bath. Um, the 26th through the 28th is in Bath and they're just learning the new fashions. <laughs> um, the 29th is the first ball at the upper rooms. Um, oh, that's, I also have the actual date, so that would be a Monday, by the way. <laughs> <if you're curious. laughs> 
<laughs> uh, January 30th, they go to the theater. That's Tuesday. <laughs> Concert on Wednesday. Um, that Friday, they go to the lower rooms, and that's when they meet Henry for the first time and dance with Henry. And then the next day, we meet Isabella. The next day, they go to church. And then we shoot to the February 11th, where we're hanging out with Catherine and Isabella again. And that's when we get the entire week <laughs> that starting there. So, like, um, the 12th, they discuss horrid books, and they meet up with John and James, they, who come to town. The 13th, they go on the first annoying drive. The 14th, <laughs> they go to the pump room and meet Eleanor. <laughs> the 15th, she gets the invitation for a walk. The 16th, she gets kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> the 17th, she tries to explain herself and meets Henry at the theater. And 18th, she's like, a week has passed. And that's when everyone gangs up on Catherine and tries to keep her from going on her walking date. And then we basically see the next few days, too. They go on their walk one day. The next day is the engagement. Um, and then the next day is the letter from James saying, yes, our parents said, okay. And then the 22nd is when Frederick um, Tilney shows up at the ball. Um, and then we have, like, uh, I think it kind of skips from the 24th to the 1st. And we just get more details about the engagement. James comes back. And then March 5th is six weeks in Bath. And that's when they decide to extend their stay for three more weeks. And we find out that Til the Tilneys are supposed to leave in another week. And... The next day, Catherine receives permission to go to the Abbey. <laughs> and then the next, uh, a couple days later, pump room. And March 12th through 13th, Catherine is observing an altered Isabella. The next day, we find out Frederick is not going to the Abbey. And the next day, they leave. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, I don't know. Was that way too much of a film? But <laughs> you can no, but now, I just, now I feel like it's like less happened than I expected. Cause it's like, okay, so that happened one day. What'd they do with the rest of the time? On well, that day? the first, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's like the one thing that we see in that day. And the narrator's like, a few days have passed. Yeah, I guess it takes three hours to get dressed. So. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they basically <laughs> do about two things a day, one during the day and one at night, maybe. Yeah. If they're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I just thought that was fun. You know, it's so hard to find new notes. For <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go ahead and move into the recap. All right. Okay. We start with chapter 16. Um, the narrator is like, Catherine is so excited for her visit that she was just basically setting herself up for disappointment because she's going over <laughs> to the Tilneys to visit. When she's there, it's kind of like Eleanor isn't as open as she's used to, and Henry was being especially quiet, and they're all hanging out with their dad, and he's being super over-the-top complimentary and nice, but she's actually like super relieved to leave him. <laughs> <laughs> Which surprised her. She surprised herself with that. She was like, it's weird he was being super nice, but I don't want to hang out with him anymore. 
she, but she, you know, of course is like, I don't want to blame him for that. That's got to be my own thing. Um, and then she talks to Isabella about it and Isabella's just kind of like, she just goes off on them. Like they're so full of pride, especially that Miss Tilney and Catherine is defending her. And Isabella says of all the things in the world that she dislikes, it's inconstancy that she abhors the most. Well, I said that wrong, but you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, Catherine is still like, I don't think Henry barely even thinks about me. So, I mean, <laughs> um, Isabella agrees with her. <laughs> so no, he rude. doesn't think about you. <laughs> and she thinks that James is far superior. Um, and she also thinks that John is also far superior. No. no, <laughs> um, no. <laughs> but she does seem to like General Tilney because I guess John likes him. She likes any rich man. <laughs> I was about to say, there seems to be a pattern. Um, so they're going to the rooms for more dancing tonight and at first Isabella says she doesn't want to go but she agrees under even the slightest bit of questioning and she says she won't be agreeable though and she won't dance (laughs) (laughs) Um, Catherine does not think any worse of the Tilneys of course because of Isabella Isabella can't sway her (laughs) and she feels justified because Henry immediately asked her to dance and um, Eleanor's back to being super friendly. So it was just a momentary blip. But then the elder brother, uh, Captain Frederick Tilney, shows up. And he is very handsome. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine thinks some girls might think he's the handsomer brother, but not in her eyes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Nothing like a crush to make someone more handsome to you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, um he laughs at the idea of dancing which um kind of knocks him down a peg in Catherine's view Uh, he doesn't try to admire Catherine too much so no worry about him kidnapping her and causing a rift in the family (laughs) (laughs) not like Catherine thought much of that since she was too busy finding Henry irresistible (laughs) (laughs) which made her become so herself that's Catherine's biggest charm is how much she adores you. And then you find her adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Just like so good natured and naive in the best way. Yeah. yeah. In that I think the best of everybody. And if someone's rude, I assume it's my own fault. <laughs> sort of a way. <laughs> yeah. So then the Tilney brothers go off together to whisper to themselves <laughs> for like 15 minutes or something. Um, what it sounded like yeah it was like a whole quarter of an hour and she was like oh, come back here <laughs> <laughs> Catherine is not at all worried that he's like bad mouthing her or anything but she is a little apprehensive and the suspense um, of wondering is killing her did it say 15 or 5 minutes because <laughs> I thought I read 15 but I wrote down 5 so <laughs> I don't know if you're following along uh, it says her suspense was of full five minutes duration and she was beginning to think at a very long quarter of an hour. So I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. okay, okay. It, it was only five minutes, but it felt like 15. Felt um, like 15. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so when they come back, Captain Tilly wants to be introduced to Isabella and Catherine is trying. <laughs> was that 
Did you guys say something, or was that Mabel making a grand noise? Uh, maybe it was Mabel. She's very sleepy, so she's snoring. snoring. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I thought you were like, ah. Oh. No. Well, <laughs> um, also that. Um, Catherine. Okay, so Captain Tilney wants to be introduced to Isabella. Catherine is explaining that Isabella doesn't plan on dancing, and Henry says have very little trouble to give you to understand the motive of other people's <laughs> actions. <laughs> Instead of wondering about all of their internal circumstances, she only wonders, what would make me act that way? And Catherine says, I do not understand you. And Henry replies, well, then we're on very unequal terms because I understand you perfectly well. <laughs> and then she has one of the best lines. Me? Yep. Yes. I cannot speak well enough to be unintelligible. I love that line. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. and I, I love his response. Bravo, an excellent satire on modern language. <laughs> <laughs> that whole that whole dialogue is just gold right there. <laughs> okay, so he thinks that her assumption that his brother wanting to dance with Isabella be, is because oh, oh my god, <laughs> words. So he thinks that her assumption that his brother wanting to dance with Isabella is because of his good nature and that just reflects her good nature that's all part of the last exchange too anyway um <laughs> so catherine notices isabella and captain tell me getting up to dance and isabella just shrugs at her like ah. <laughs> <laughs> catherine is shocked and says so to henry and henry kind of laughs it off implying that maybe catherine doesn't understand isabella as well as she thinks <laughs> <laughs> Later on, Isabella explains herself, saying that he was such a rattle. I mean, good mm. God, girl, you live, you are in a family of rattles. <laughs> 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 it should be not even a bother you at all. Surprise. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> she thought it would look so particular if she refused. And apparently, he tried really hard to get her to dance, according to her, at least. <laughs> she won't admit to him being. She loves how she was like, you can tell she's making it up as she goes along because mm -hmm. she's like, oh, and he said this, and I said this, and she says, she like talks herself into a corner. She says, I told him he had taken a very unlikely way to prevail upon me, for of all things in the world, I hated fine speeches and compliments. And so, and so then I found there would be no peace if I didn't stand up. So it's like <laughs> she talks herself into this corner where if she was being consistent, she would have been able to say no and stick to it, but she didn't really have a good reason, but she's just like, uh, so I couldn't get out of it. So I just, I just had to say yes. <laughs> kind of like, I just wanted to, basically. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> I can't say that, but, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Isabella, Isabella. Okay. Yeah. She says she uh, she won't admit to him being handsome, and she says she took him down several <laughs> times in her own way. <laughs> well, we know her favorite form of flirting is to insult people, so. <laughs> She's, like, turning on herself, exposing. <laughs> yes. Okay, so um, the next time the girls get together, I guess the dance ends, and this is just, like, later on. This is all still the same chapter, though. Next time they get together, there's a new letter from James to discuss, and we find out that he's going to get a living of 400 pounds a year when he's old enough, 
this is a living, I think it's implied that his father currently gets the income from. So that's pretty generous. He's giving him, you know, his own money <laughs> or his own right. income that he probably needs for all the freaking kids they have. <laughs> <laughs> but they're going to have to wait a couple of years because he still needs the income for a little while before they can get married. And Catherine thinks it's super great. Isabella doesn't seem very happy about it, though. <laughs> her mother is like trying to soothe over her mood. And Isabella says she doesn't think it's enough for the common necessaries of life. And uh, Catherine is hurt by the insinuations that her father isn't doing all he can for them. Yeah. But then Isabella tries to like say, oh, it's just because we have to wait so long. She has to smooth it over, you know, talk over it. Catherine really tries to believe her <laughs> and forget about thinking that she might be selfish. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's <laughs> the end of 16. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a note in the part where he says he has to wait um in my book because i have the annotated one it says basically that um a man had to be 23 to hold a clerical position and that oh. since james is currently 20 and that catherine is 17 and there are two children between them indicates the frequency of the marlins childbirths in the early years of their marriage but i thought it was interesting that he had to wait uh, yeah. to be 23 to probably assume that to like have an income basically i feel like the morelands are really a lot based on the austin family because i feel like a lot of the stuff is very similar like they both had two mm -hmm. clerical incomes and had a bunch of kids <laughs> and <laughs> it's really their circumstances seem very similar i'm sure um, at least Especially you since... know at the beginning of jane's childhood <laughs> yeah right yeah was there anything else? Sorry. I I'm think just so. talking over you guys today. No, you're fine. Okay. Well, let's move on to chapter 17. Uh, 17 and 18 and 19 are all relatively short chapters. So 17, it's week six in Bath. The Allens are deciding whether it's time to leave. Um, and they decide to stay another fortnight, which I was wondering, I thought a fortnight was two weeks, but it's implying that it's three weeks. So I don't know if that's like, they still have another week before the fortnight begins. Maybe. You know, if a fortnight is two or three weeks. That's two. So I don't know. I, I thought it was two. So that was because, but they have three weeks left. So that just made me think, well, maybe they were scheduled to stay one more week and they decide a fortnight on top of that week. And that's what makes it three weeks. That might be it, Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm getting caught up in the minutia a little too much. Um, <laughs> so the Allens, yeah, I already said that. <laughs> Catherine is relieved that they're staying. She had, uh, she, has, she has maybe thought once or twice about what may come from their friendship, but mostly she's only happy to see him in the present. Talking about Henry, when she's right. thinking about, oh, we have to leave. She had thought a couple times, like, maybe, you know, with her brother getting married, she's like, there's always a chance. But mostly she's just like, well, I'm just happy to see him right now because <laughs> I could remember him always. <laughs> Take what I can get. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She goes to visit Miss Tilney to tell her how excited she is that she gets to stay a little bit longer. But then she learns that the Tilneys are planning to leave in one week. <laughs> oh, no. And... Just as Eleanor is about to say something probably important, the general walks in. <laughs> he ends up taking the thunder 
and being the one to ask Catherine <laughs> if she will quit her scene of public triumph and join them at Northanger Abbey. Uh. <laughs> Very exciting. Ooh, invited to Northanger <laughs> Abbey. Uh, he rambles on about how they'll try to make it comfortable for her, even though it isn't as lively and splendid as where she's currently used to. And, uh, you know, they all live in such a humble and modest manner. I roll, I roll, I roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Catherine, of course, is thrilled to the point of ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> she accepts as long as her parents approve, which he sure, she's sure they will. Um, he's already asked the Allens, who have said yes. <laughs> so now she's in perfect bliss. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like a day or two later, her parents consent and complete her conviction on being favored above every other human creature. <laughs> <laughs> Everything has gone so great on this trip and Catherine is reveling in her good fortune. But maybe the most excited part of the whole thing, besides Henry, is that she gets to stay <laughs> in an abbey. <laughs> she's so excited about the damp halls and the little tiny rooms and she hopes it has some spooky old legends and maybe an ill-fated nun <laughs> and that's the end of that chapter <laughs> did you have anything else about that chapter actually um so i remember what i thought about the general the first time i read it so i'd be interested maybe Christian to hear what you think about the general, but this time around, since we've talked so much about like John Thorpe and Isabella and their behavior and stuff, a lot of the things that he was doing, that the general was doing in this chapter reminded me of John Thorpe, especially him going before he even talked to Catherine, going to the Allens to see, to say, Hey, I'm going to invite her. So she can come. Right. So that, yeah. and then also how he just talks over Eleanor. Like, doesn't let her get a word in edgewise. He's like, oh, she wants to do this and she wants to do that. So, yeah, he yeah, really reminded me of um, John Thorpe this time around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah, just, there was I something... tend to... Oh, I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to uh, say there was something about the way the general and his kids, like that first meeting, I forgot to mention it, but like when his kids and him and Eleanor is like, I mean, Catherine is like, this is, feels weird. They're not talking. And there's another one coming up. So I guess we can talk about it then. But um, just the way they behave when he's around, it's just an interesting little subtle clue that Jane Austen is yeah. giving us without really spelling it out. Sorry, what were you going to say, Christian? Um, no, I was just going to say, like, real quick that uh, I guess even, like, I don't know if it's just because of the time period, but a lot of the men in, during this time, I, I'm always, like, very suspicious of their, like, true like what would you like maybe like any ulterior motives or any facades they have on just because of how men were back then and how they treated women and so it almost just feels like yeah like he assumed john thorpe's role in his absence and was like just directing <laughs> isabella without asking for <laughs> anything like what her feelings were like or anything at all and it's just like, like a little frustrating but she wants to go anyway yeah. so it ended up being like all right yeah. whatever We'll yeah. let it slide. <laughs> it's uh, really too bad that John Thorpe left town before, or maybe it's a good thing for John Thorpe, before the general got into town and became interested because the two of them trying to spoil each other's plans <laughs> to get Catherine would have been 
I'm sure John would have been on the losing end of that one. <laughs> oh, <how laughs> yeah, that would have been funny. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to chapter 18. So two or three days pass with no Isabella. And just when Catherine is starting to feel like, oh, I wish I had Isabella to talk to, she's at the pump room and she meets up with her. And Isabella is watching out for something. And Catherine thinks, of course, that it's James because Catherine <laughs> never thinks <laughs> anything but the else. best of people. <laughs> Isabella seems excited for her to go to North Banger, which is surprising. Um, <laughs> she got a letter from John, and basically she's telling Catherine that John is in love with her. And Catherine is shocked out of her gourd. <laughs> <laughs> and Isabella doesn't believe that she doesn't already know. John's, oh, never mind. There was a little funny moment earlier when Catherine is like, she's always accusing me of being arch, so I will be. And she's like, don't worry, James will be here in a minute. I'm like, you think that's arch, Catherine? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, just a little side note. Oh, where was I? Um, oh, she's talking to her about John. Yeah, John has told her in this note that she, that Catherine gave him encouragements and that he made an offer of marriage to her. <laughs> and Catherine is like, what? I had zero, zero clue that that happened. <laughs> <laughs> she never thought or expected or wished for anything of that kind from him. And she wants Isabella to undeceive him. And Isabella is silent, but she seems to understand. Even though she's very flippant about it. She's just like, oh, fine, I guess. Anyone can flirt. It's no big deal. Do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Which um, I'm wondering, is that like a little projection for herself? A little foreshadowing. Because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then she says that they don't have enough money to get married anyway. Interesting. <laughs> Considering they both come from equally poor families. So she says she won't judge Catherine's previous flirtiness. And Catherine is like, but I never flirted. <laughs> and Isabella doesn't think the happiness of her brother is more important than that of her friends. Yeah, I mean, your brother's never as important as what your friend wants, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of your brother's John Thorpe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so just then, Captain Tilney comes in, and he sits next to Isabella. And he and she whisper flirt with each other for a while. While Catherine overhears the whole thing and gets upset. <laughs> and she tries to get Isabella to leave with her, but um, Isabella basically refuses. And Catherine is so annoyed that she just leaves with Mrs. Allen without even thinking twice about it. And she thinks that Captain Tilney is falling in love with Isabella and, is <laughs> and Isabella is unconsciously encouraging it. So this is her again, trying to think the best in everybody. Oh, he's falling in love, and she's just unconsciously encouraging it. Yeah, that's the end of chapter 18, though. So, Shorty. I feel like um, I've really, like, because I've been thinking about, like, her and Isabella's, like, relationship the whole time, and how it's always this, like, thing of, like, her giving more than Isabella, and Isabella kind of just taking, taking, taking. And I kind of like in my head come to the conclusion that it's very similar to um, in Mean Girls, Regina George and Katie Herring, um, which, you know, Lindsay Lohan. Is and Katie it's, Herring the Lindsay Lohan character? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so um, 
I just feel like it's like so emblematic of it, just in that she is like not like totally oblivious to like all the I would I wouldn't say like shitty qualities of Isabella, but like just like the not so stellar ones, and she keeps trying making excuses to herself, and Isabella is just kind mm-hmm. of like. <laughs> doing a path of destruction and it's just like <laughs> taking advantage of everything yeah because Catherine just you know even though she's starting to catch on to Isabella she bit. still doesn't want to give up because she wants James and Isabella to be happy she doesn't want James to be sad and she wants to still feel like she's her friend um yeah. but she always just assumes it just maybe maybe it's a denial maybe she knows and she's just you know telling herself this stuff but I, I tend to think that's just she's naive so yeah yeah I feel like also like Isabella has some sort of like hold over her and like emotionally um mm-hmm. just because like instead of thinking that you know her brother would be better off meeting someone else who would make him happy and not flirt with you know new people that come in and <laughs> unwilling or not she is like immediately jumping to Isabella has to be with my brother to make him happy and they have to be together because she's trying to appease both sides instead of just, you know, picking one side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Let's move on. Chapter nine, unless you had anything else, Kristen or, sorry. <laughs> I, I think the only thing that I, I said, and I think we sort of hinted at it a little bit is just, she seems to be laying some groundwork. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. she's like oh you know people can change their minds no big no big deal <laughs> <laughs> okay so chapter 19 a few days later or it is a few days later <laughs> Catherine's been watching Isabella and is starting to get concerned whenever she's in public she gives almost as much attention to Frederick as she gives to James and James seems uneasy by this and so she's worried for him, and she's sincerely sorry for Captain Tilney's future disappointment when, inevitably, <laughs> he is disappointed. Uh, she wants to talk to Isabella about it, but she can never manage to make herself comprehensible to her. <laughs> so basically, I guess Isabella is just willfully misunderstanding her. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she learns that Frederick is not going to be going with them to the Abbey. And she wants Henry to tell him that Isabella is engaged to James. <laughs> she just puts her foot down. She's like, just tell him that she's engaged to my brother. And he's like, um, I already did. He knows. And he's his own master. I can't tell him what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and Henry says, are you sure it's my brother's fault and not Isabella's? <laughs> and uh, Catherine still doesn't think Isabella is doing it on purpose. But now she begins to doubt if um, Isabella is as attached to James as she thought she was. Henry is wondering if Isabella's heart can be so pure if all it takes is Frederick in her vicinity for her to neglect James. (laughs) (laughs) He says, if you believe they love each other, then you shouldn't worry about it. And besides, he has to go back to the army soon. (laughs) He won't be around forever. Catherine thinks that Henry must know best and decides not to worry about it anymore. (laughs) She's got much more important things to be thinking about. When she sees Isabella and James before she leaves, she thinks they seem okay. 
and they all cry goodbye to each other. <laughs> and that's the end of that chapter. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a pretty short one. Did you have any other thing you wanted about that one? Um, I, I, uh, when I was reading it, the whole exchange between her and Henry about his brother and Isabella and everything, I just like, I found myself almost like immediately siding with Catherine and also getting upset like why don't you say anything like you know your brother's being a terrible person <laughs> by flirting with her anyways like it's not just her fault like whatever right but then we later find out like you know whatever who cares because it's Isabella <laughs> and you like because like when you really think about it it's just you know you can't really trust her yeah it's kind of like well you're kind of the only one little Catherine who doesn't understand what's going on here so yeah it's gonna let things play out and see what happens. <laughs> I guess maybe James doesn't know either. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's like a shared family trait, just like night, a little bit of like light naivety. <laughs> well, they well, just they come have from a, such oh, a happy family, is what I was yeah. going to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they live in a, the country, got a couple of curacies, mm -hmm. and <laughs> a bunch of kids. <laughs> Reality, they're like their only neighbors. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's do our last chapter, chapter 20. Okay. So the Allens are a little sad to see Catherine go, but they're only going to, they're only planning on staying for another week in Bath anyway. Catherine is a little uneasy and thinks she might not be so worried if General Tilney wasn't being so solicitous of her. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just making her more uncomfortable that he's being like super nice to her. She's also worried when she hears that General, when she hears General Tilney yell at Frederick for being late, especially when she realizes that it was on her account. The Tilney kids seem super quiet and grave whenever their father is around. I was mentioning that earlier. And I guess they're just used to his personality and know that the best thing to do is just sit and listen to him go Stay on. Quiet. <laughs> yeah, keep their mouth shut. And I really like the way that Frederick um, kind of mumbles under his breath to Eleanor about how glad he'll be when they finally leave. And I was thinking they must all be close. Like even though Frederick doesn't seem quite as uh, nice, I guess, as the other two siblings, although we don't really get to know him. We only see him through Catherine's eyes as like this kind of semi-villainous guy. But I just like that little moment where he's whispering under his breath to Eleanor about like, oh, I'm going to be so glad when you guys are finally gone so I don't have to deal with him anymore. <laughs> like they're all bonded over like having to deal with this father their whole lives. Yeah. <laughs> their annoyance. Yeah. So Eleanor and Catherine and the maid are all supposed, they're all together in the carriage. And they go, I guess, about halfway. They have a two-hour layover for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> but the general is, like, so annoying. He's a check on his children's spirits. And he finds lots of faults with wherever they're eating lunch. And he harasses the wait staff, And making the whole thing seem like a four-hour stop instead of a two-hour stop. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the rest of the ride, she gets to ride in the caracol with Henry. So it's just her and him and his carriage. Um, at first, she's a little worried about the propriety because of the whole John Thorpe carriage ride, Allen's debacle thing. Um, but since it was the general's idea, she figures 
okay, <laughs> I'm not going to argue. <laughs> Uh, she loves the ride, the horses, and the driver, of course, with his hat. <laughs> <laughs> and she's so happy, and Henry praises her, and that just makes it even better. <laughs> <laughs> Henry says that he's he worries for his sister since she never has any female companions, and um, he has to go to his own house from time to time, so he can't always be there. And he wants to know if she's ready for all the spookiness at the Abbey of the Abbey. And she's like, yeah, <laughs> I am. I'm totally ready. <laughs> and he starts having a little fun with her about how she'll sleep far away in a room that someone might have died in. And he says, will not your heart sink within you? Will you examine all the furniture, the heavy chest, the broken loot, <laughs> the scary portrait over the fireplace? <laughs> the maid will drop some spooky hints about ghosts and the door will have no lock and Catherine doesn't believe it but she wants more of the horrid story that he's weaving <laughs> and he goes on about a thunderstorm and a mysterious passageway that Catherine will explore and she says that, no, she won't. I'm going to be too scared to explore that passageway. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. Because you'll know that it's only two miles. And so you'll be forced to do it. And along the passageway, she'll come across some blood and a knife and a, a torture device of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> and on the way back, she'll search an old armoire and find a hoard of diamonds and then some manuscript pages. And she'll take them to her bed when her lamp will go out. <laughs> and she says, go on. <laughs> <laughs> and Henry cannot stop laughing at her. <laughs> and Catherine is a little embarrassed. And she says, I never believe it. I'm not afraid. <laughs> um, so, okay. So this, I love that story. Mark. They come across, they're starting to come upon the Abbey. And you can barely notice it because there's so many like modern buildings around it. It doesn't look old timey and ruiny at all. And then it starts to rain in her face. And so she stops noticing anything <laughs> before she knows it. She's under the eaves getting ready to walk into the house. And when she does, she's presented with a reality and all her fears are swept away. <laughs> she says she doubts she would even have known that it was an Abbey. It's so modern and well furnished. There's not a giant fireplace. Even the windows, which are like still the right shape of a Gothic window, are like nice big planes of glass. There's no like little squares and you can see through them perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a single cobweb to be seen. <laughs> and um, the general is just modestly talking up the place when he notices the time. <laughs> and Eleanor bustles Catherine away to get dressed for dinner. She shows her room and says, please get ready as quickly as possible. <laughs> Make as little alteration to your dress as possible. And that's the end of the chapter. The end of the whole section that we just did. <laughs> yes. Do you guys have anything else about chapter 20? I like that chapter. It's a cute well, one. Yeah. Um, I guess what it made me think of is um, it reminded me of when we first met Henry and he was like going on and on to Mrs. Allen and Catherine could tell that he was sort of making fun of Mrs. Allen and hold on, let me look it up. It's in chapter three and get the quote. It says, 
Catherine feared that he indulged himself a little too much with the foibles of others. Yeah. I think he's doing it again here. He's oh, definitely. Kind of, yeah. At her but Catherine is lapping it up with a spoon. She's like, go oh, on. Yeah. <laughs> Please, <laughs> yeah, finish the yeah. story. <laughs> and the funny thing is, she, he gets to the end and she's like, oh, I didn't believe it. But it's not that it's not that she doesn't believe it's possible. What she says is, I'm sure your sister would never put me into a room like that. It's not like she thinks they don't have a room like that. It's just that she doesn't think Eleanor would do that to her. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, Catherine. Did you guys have any favorite moments from these chapters? Um. Yes. Uh, I would say, I think I, my favorite was the whole exchange of her to, when uh, Isabella is saying that John is in love with Catherine and they need to get married. And <laughs> it's just like this whole exchange of she's like, what are you talking about? Like, I feel like we've all had that experience, especially like in high school and like kind of like the college years where people read into things too much and overthink. And you're like, all I did was have a two second conversation with them. And now they think I'm in love with yeah. them. Yeah. Which is funny too. And I feel like John was trying to set her up because, um, he never said it, although he did try to talk around it in some weird way, but she, that was the mm. part where she was like, but I never sing. She's <laughs> <laughs> <just> like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I guess my favorite moment is probably the carriage ride, the, um, when they're, uh, when Henry is telling her all the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, really that part. I love Catherine being like, um, Oh no, I don't believe you. No, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> but I love all the detail of it. It's just it's so funny. <laughs> Kristen, did you have a favorite moment? Oh, I that line about I cannot speak well enough to be unintelligible, that's just one oh, of my yeah. favorite lines from Jane Austen. It's yeah. It was so it's so appropriate for um academia. <laughs> so yeah. I used to think about that a lot when I was like reading papers or trying to write stuff for classes and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. It also described a lot of her characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, shall we get into the deep dive? Yeah. What yeah. do we have today? Or what do we have? We have Isabella Thorpe today. Ooh. Because even though we still have a little bit more with her that we will get to, she basically kind of isn't in the story that much anymore because, you know, they're at the Abbey for most of the rest of the book. Right. And of course, there wasn't nearly as much as I thought there would be. I thought, oh, Isabella Thorpe, she's such a big character. I thought there'd be papers galore that I could find on her and I just couldn't I, I just don't know if I just really? don't have access to the right sources for this because I never paid for like a read theses hmm. <laughs> okay so Isabella Thorpe her family um when they're not in Bath I don't know some of this we might have covered but I don't know if we really got into any of the details but her family is from Putney when they're not visiting Bath um, she has three brothers. John, we know, is older, but we Edward and William, who they just mentioned, it's never said whether they're older or younger. 
And then there's the two younger sisters, Mariah and Anne. She is described as a beauty. And she says she's very interested in men with... I got just wiped out. (laughs) (laughs) The ghost of Isabella. (laughs) That was funny. She says she likes men with light hair and light eyes. Obviously, she's manipulative and a little self-serving and has a bit of a passive-aggressive streak. (laughs) A bit. (laughs) She... And we never have pointed this out or anything, but I thought it was an interesting observation. She always makes sure to display her affection towards Catherine whenever James is around. So she's always being very complimentary of Catherine when James is present. She is considered the proverbial viper in the bosom (laughs) because (laughs) she seeks to elevate herself and her family at the expense of her friend's happiness. Mm. Although we have it. A little. We we know a little bit. She's considered an 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 antagonist. <laughs> Sorry to say, an antagonist, <laughs> and uh, also a counterpart to Catherine. Yeah. We haven't gotten to Oliver yet, but I think we've begun to see a little of her true nature that we couldn't see at the beginning. But I do want to talk about something. Mm-hmm. Just an observation I have. Because I feel like even though Isabella is kind of not a great character and there's a lot of villains in Austin's work and I'm sure she gets lumped in there, but I feel like I feel sorry for her in a way because they don't have any money and she has to find a good husband and her family all sucks. I mean, she sucks too, (laughs) but the rest of the family sucks as well. Um, And I was thinking she seems to have kind of like the selfishness of a Mary Crawford, but not the awareness of herself. You know, like Mary knew that she was being selfish and she's just like, well, mm-hmm. I can't help myself. And Isabella just <laughs> can't help herself, but she doesn't know that she is. <laughs> and I also saw her compared to like a Lucy Steele, but I feel like Lucy knows what she's doing. And I don't feel like Isabella mm. necessarily does. I, I mean, in a way, Isabella does seem like she does. She seems but I don't feel like she's calculated, you know? Is that just me? She doesn't seem malicious to me. She seems ambitious and like she's trying to get what she can out of what she's got, right? So she's, she's gorgeous, so she's trying to do the best for herself out of that, which is not great. But at least she doesn't seem, at least to me, she doesn't seem like she... She's willing to trample everybody else in order to do it. But at the same time, it, it, it doesn't feel as bad, I guess, because it doesn't feel calculated. <laughs> just because she always pretends to be nice. Maybe that's what it is. She pretends to be nice. So you kind of forgive her. She's not like out and out in your face. Almost, mean most of the yeah. time. I feel like she lives kind of in, on the spur of the moment. And mm, sure, she's yeah. always wanting what feels best to her but it doesn't seem like she's thinking about who she's hurting yeah. where like I would think a Lucy Steele is more like well I'm I'm out to get you specifically I have this plan in my mind and I'm not gonna let this happen and I'm gonna try to manipulate yeah. the situation where Isabella's just like she doesn't let herself think about it enough so she can't ever be that vindictive about it so it's mm. just like I don't know there's just yeah. something about Isabella that I find a little 
less grating than, um, yeah. you know, your typical Austin villain. Yeah. She's also really young. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's that too. Yeah, and I just feel like she has a warm heart. I mean, they do bond at the beginning, you know, if it wasn't for all yeah. the boys, they would probably be great friends. <laughs> it was just them <laughs> at an old girl's school? <laughs> totally. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um okay for um her zodiac sign mm-hmm. i can't remember what article i was looking at but i might have i think maybe like what's the most flirtatious signs <laughs> <laughs> and i picked out three that i thought seemed good and so i figured we could just pick whichever one we want <laughs> <laughs> um okay so first was gemini they love to talk and they love a bit of drama. They excel in flirting, but love someone with wit who they who can keep them on their toes. So I feel like maybe not so much a Gemini because like I said, I don't feel like she's as thoughtful as that. <laughs> no. Because I know Geminis are like really in their heads a lot. Okay, and then there was Leo, which was a possibility. Um, they're big flirters and they're not subtle about it <laughs> and they like you to also show it to them um when they flirt they're trying to impress their crushes and they like to feel special but they also like to make other people feel special so there's a lot about that that seemed kind of her but there is also some that i don't know how much she wants other people to feel special <laughs> well maybe she right. does she is kind of way over the top, even when she's like flirting with Catherine or whatever, you know, <laughs> she's always <laughs> trying to talk everybody up around her. So maybe she is Leo. And then the other one was Sagittarius. It says that humor is their number one flirting technique. Um, they're the most unpredictable of the signs and they can have many crushes at the same time. <laughs> and they're most likely to initiate a flirty moment. So did any of those stand out more to you? I think Sagittarius is a good one. Yeah. I feel like she's not that funny though. It's like using humor. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's like her, because isn't her like her way of flirting, like making fun of people? Yeah, that's true. She does have kind of a... It's like her, maybe her trying to be funny. Maybe she's just not that funny, <laughs> but <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I feel like that like really, you know, just kind of like that aimless like not unpredictable nature of her like because you like you feel like you would think that if she's going to be trying to secure like the best husband and the best situation for herself that she's going to do whatever it takes and find the best partner but it seems like she's kind of just like wandering through and kind of like oh he seems nice and he seems like a good situation so I'll kind of stick with it and then something better comes and she's mm-hmm. like well maybe I'll try this yeah hmm. what do you think Kristen? I don't know. I got distracted by uh, Christian's description. It made me think of your previous question about why does she not seem as bad? Maybe it's just because she's just kind of dumb and she's easy to see through. <laughs> so we're like, well, no, you're not that bad. That's <laughs> you true. Can tell what she's doing. Um, yeah, that's, I feel like that's kind of like John Thorpe too. Like, you know, he is bad and I find him to be the most annoying, but I don't think of him as like a vicious villain because he's too dumb to be. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's like too dumb to be a threat. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I just got distracted there. I'm like, yeah, she's totally like that. But um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
I guess we could say all three if we wanted, or we could just say Leo and Sagittarius. She just seemed like a fire person. Yeah. So she's very impulsive. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe Leo, Sagittarius, some combination of those. And maybe with some Gemini thrown in. And maybe she's got like all fire yeah. signs. Maybe there's Aries in there too. <laughs> she's fiery. Fiery in her own way. That family is fiery. <laughs> okay. So what about Harry Potter? I had an idea about this one. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of thought that, yeah, yeah, you go on. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I mean, I think like it's, I think it's, like she's like pretty clear and cut, like a Slytherin, just not a very smart one. Yeah, mm. I agree. Yeah, well, see, I, my initial thought was this girl is a muggle and she will never <laughs> be a wizard. <laughs> 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 she's trying to marry a wizard family. <laughs> Because my initial thought was Gryffindor, and I was like, ah, and then I thought Slytherin, and I was like, she doesn't really feel like a Slytherin either. I just feel like she doesn't fit into any of the houses in my mind. <laughs> and I can't really imagine her doing magic. I feel like if she couldn't study hard enough to make it, <laughs> they would wipe her magic brain no. and <laughs> make her like go back funny. into the real world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like Slytherin fits just because she's willing to say anything to get what she wants. Yeah. She does have a lot of ambition. Yeah. Kind yeah. of. I mean, she does, she's just, but she's also... <laughs> she's just not very successful at being conniving and being, like, 100% successful. <laughs> yeah. She's like a Slytherin who should have been in the Hufflepuff, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Even her sorting wasn't successful. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, final thoughts. Do we do final thoughts today, usually? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm just, I'm kind of like happy that we're going to a new place. Um, I wouldn't say I was getting bored with Bath, but I feel mm -hmm. like I was like really in the mood for something like a big change. Just because I feel like now at this point, you know, we're obviously annoyed with John Thorpe, but I think we're also really getting annoyed with Isabella and just getting kind of tired of her. And mm -hmm. I mean, the mm -hmm. Allens are kind of just in the background. So it's like, I want something new, something more exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited to see Catherine and her new digs, I guess, <laughs> mm -hmm. and her new place of that she was so excited to get to. And as soon as she gets there, the reality of it's like, oh. Okay. <laughs> Not nearly as <laughs> spooky as I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> yes. What about you, Kristen? Um, I'm having fun seeing Austin put all the different pieces, um, line up all the pieces for what's what's gonna be coming down the road and I'm like, Okay, there's that one, that piece is in place now and <laughs> <laughs> okay, now she's described that person in that way. Okay, so that's going to be that in the future. Yeah, so it's been fun. <laughs> yeah, and I'm interested to see um, how we start working in this whole psychological time into the second half mm. more because um, yeah. I feel like there was a big delineation, at least in the article I was reading, uh, between the first half, which you can basically nail down every single day to the date, <laughs> and um, <laughs> The second half, which is a lot more Catherine in her head. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm excited to finally exciting. get some resolution to some of these annotations because a lot of my annotations in my book, they'll, they'll be like, uh, you'll figure out what this means in the second <laughs> half and, and you'll see why they feel this way. And it's like, all right, all right. <laughs> like I'm waiting for some of these answers. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Those are weird annotations. I don't remember ever seeing any like that before. <laughs> I just is, think like, it's so funny. <laughs> It is like it'll give like a brief explanation of what happened, and then it'll be like you'll find this out why they feel this way later on, and it's like oh, okay, like I guess they don't want to <laughs> spoil anything. But <laughs> maybe it's just like a weird roundabout way of saying keep this in mind. Yeah, it was probably like remember when I said look read back to annotation ten when I mentioned you should yeah. remember this because that's what I was yeah. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited to see when your annotations finally catch up. <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta go back and like mark them and then reference and ugh, I'm ready. Last is recommendations. I don't really have that much to recommend this week except for that I haven't been feeling very well today so I took the afternoon and watched The Princess Bride, which nice. I'm sure does not need to be recommended to people because it's probably most people's favorite movie already. But um, if you're not feeling good and you just want to, I mean, I was like, Princess Bride, it's about a kid who's not feeling good, who wants a story to distract him. And it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's my recommendation for this week. Watch The Princess Bride. <laughs> Who's next? Um, I have a, I have two. They're both TV. Uh, one of them is uh, the HBO. It's like a mini series. I think it just ended. It's called The Plot Against America. Mm-hmm. And it's based on a book. And I guess like the premise of it is, um, like what if, uh, I think it was like instead of. Roosevelt being elected again it was uh if Charles Lindbergh became the president Ooh. and it's like I'm like like trying to figure out a way like it's like oh it's really good it's got Zoe Kazan in it and it's got some familiar faces but it's just really scary <laughs> because things start to unfold in like the 40s and it's like at the time during you know all the Nazi stuff in Europe and how you know this new instead of guests getting involved a lot of it is the isolationists and us not wanting to get involved in europe's trouble and stuff like that so it's a very scary time and very reflective of things nowadays but it's, it was really good and it's That's only cool. i think eight episodes it's quick i like it an alternate history sometimes yes and it's it's just really good and it's got a good cast um and my other recommendation time period to Sorry, this would be a popular time period to base those alternate histories on, like the World War II time period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) They give you the chills. Um, And my other recommendation is uh, Miss America. I think it's called Miss America. The one Um, with Kate Blanchett. With the yes, it's so good. We just started watching it, and it's also really scary (laughs) because it really (laughs) happened. And Villa Schlafly is just, I, I don't know, I've had heard about her, but didn't know too much about her. And just seeing it is like, 
just really eye-opening and she's Kate Blanchett's amazing and so is Rose Byrne as Gloria Steinem and seeing Uzo as uh, Shirley Chisholm is really interesting and she's supposed to be really really good in it so I think we're about three episodes in and I'm really enjoying it and like the 70s aesthetics 70s are like my favorite aesthetically time period so it's really it's a really nice show yeah I've heard a lot of good things about that one it's really have to check it out someday whenever my you know <laughs> list goes Never down need to watch. <laughs> whenever I can watch tv again <laughs> what about you Kristen do you have anything um yeah but I'm going to get to a little bit roundabout so um I listen to a lot of podcasts and one of the ones I listened to a lot last week was some old lectures I think they were done at Oxford but anyway they were on Shakespeare and the the professor is Emma, I think her last name is Smith, but I'll double check. Emma Smith. So the reason I've been listening to them is it keeps showing up in my, yeah, Emma Smith, keeps showing up in my Facebook feed that this professor has um, put out a book based on these lectures. Okay. So I went back and I was listening to the podcast. So I've had a lot of Shakespeare in my head for the last week. And um, I listened to her podcast on Much Ado About Nothing which reminded me that I had wanted to see the Much Ado About Nothing that um, David Tennant and Catherine Tate did a few years oh. ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm. So I looked it up and it's on YouTube, whole thing's on YouTube. And I was wow. like, oh yes, I get to see this. So you just skip all the boring parts, but the parts with David Tennant <laughs> and Catherine Tate are fantastic. <laughs> I watched them last night, I'm just like skipping through all the hero and Claudio stuff and I'm like, oh, they're so good, so funny. So um, if you need a good laugh and you like, you know, much do about nothing, they're hilarious, hilarious together. They were great, especially, especially David Tennant. He was impressive <laughs> as a comedian. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. There's, if you like theater, there is so much theater that is out right now because you know, nobody can do live theater. So they're just releasing so much like great mm-hmm. um theater that's been recorded over the years which I've always thought you know we should release this stuff way more (laughs) than it is Mm -hmm. but so if you if want to watch there's so much like every week there's a new um I can't remember the National Theater Mm -hmm. they just released Frankenstein Frankenstein or something yeah Yeah, I heard Mm -hmm. about that and then there was that um and this isn't really a show show but they had that Sondheim um tribute show oh yeah (laughs) a week or so ago and i normally would not watch something like that but i love sondheim so i ended up watching the whole thing i was like i can't believe i just watched two and a half hours of people seeing sondheim it was really good yeah and i'm just like floored at uh bernadette peters only she's like 67 i think or no she's 72 and looks like she's like 40 really yeah she I I was shocked she didn't look she hasn't aged in like 40 years it's insane she sounded amazing she's like one of my favorites so it was like really good um I think also the um the Met Opera is doing live performances Mm -hmm. on their website every week yeah yeah I'm pretty sure there's a lot of um globe theater stuff that's out there Mm -hmm. um yeah if you like theater at all look it up I mean it's all like on YouTube I think too so like yeah and local yeah. stuff too. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. What about contact? <laughs> All right. Our Gmail is mannersofmadness at gmail.com. Our uh, Instagram is at mannersmadness. Uh, oh, that's our Twitter. Our Instagram is at mannersmadnesspod. <laughs> and our website is mannersofmadness.com. And you can leave us a voice recording if you'd like. Yes. And please rate and review um, on iTunes or I don't know if there's any other places you even can rate and review besides iTunes <laughs> or not iTunes, Apple <laughs> Podcasts, whatever it's called. But rate and review, please. <laughs> yes. And we next week, <laughs> next week we're doing Twin Peaks episode six. And our next Northanger Abbey is going to cover chapters 21 through 23. So just three chapters. Awesome. They must be long ones. Maybe they explore <laughs> psychological time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's everything. So thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thank Good you, night. Kristen, for joining us again. Oh, sure. Yeah. Am I the worst host that <laughs> I'd ever probably take a guess for coming? <laughs> At least I introduced you this time. <laughs> <laughs> this time. Halfway there. Oh, my goodness. Well, oh. between the two of us. So. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Kristen. Yes, we so appreciate you coming week after week and doing this book with us. It's been great. It is super fun to have a reason to read the book and talk about it with people. Yeah. Talking so about it makes it so much me. more fun. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yep. All right. Well, that's definitely it then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Thank you for listening. See you next week or talk to you next week. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Bye.